In a world darkened by the fall, we all need light for our daily path. Psalm 119 verse 105 tells us where to find that light. The psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word, the Bible, gives us light, and that's good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is what we need each and every day. This is Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. It's great that you've joined us again this afternoon as we search the scriptures together, having our path illuminated by God's Word. Here's your host for this afternoon, Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Gospel Talk. I'm glad that you've joined me, Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. It's always our goal on this program to mine the riches of Scripture and to search for hidden treasure, to look at the wonderful things that the Bible has to tell us, especially about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this week we've been dealing with this wonderful passage from John 17. John 17, verse 3, where the Lord Jesus says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And we've seen that the Lord Jesus spoke those words for the benefit of believers, for the benefit, first of all, of the disciples who are with him in the upper room when those words were spoken, but then also by extension for our benefit, because these words were recorded for us in God's inspired and inerrant word. Also, it's important to realize when these words were spoken, they were spoken at Jesus' last Passover. A few hours later, he would be crucified. He would be hanging on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, doing so in our place. So it's important that we understand that. And yesterday, we began looking at what it is, you know, this eternal life. We've, we've seen that eternal life consists of knowing God. And we also saw that eternal life is something that is to be desired. It's something that's going to exceed your expectations. And it's something that can only be attained through Christ and through resting and trusting him. So this knowing God also, this knowing God is about being in a positive, friendly relationship of communion with God. Now, you know, sometimes people talk about being a Christian as, as having a relationship with God. But you know what? The, the Bible does tell us that every single human being does have some kind of relationship to God. There are only two kinds of relationships that people have with God. Either they are at enmity with God or they are in fellowship and communion with God through Jesus Christ. So everyone is in a relationship with God. The question is, what kind of a relationship? Knowing God is the positive relationship, the, the being in fellowship and communion with God relationship, the covenant relationship that we're supposed to be in, we were designed and created to be in. We also saw yesterday that there, there are three things about knowing God. And we took those things from J.I. Packer's excellent book, Knowing God. Excellent title, right? And we saw that, first of all, knowing God is a matter of personal dealing. Second, that it involves every aspect of our being. It involves our mind. We have to know about God as well. We have to know things about him from the Bible as he's revealed himself to us. It involves our heart, loving God. And it also involves our will. It involves obedience to God, wanting to follow God and wanting to please him in what we do. And the third and most important thing that we saw yesterday about knowing God is that it is a matter of grace. You know, if, if knowing God is about a covenant relationship. And we say that the covenant in scripture for New Testament believers is a covenant of grace. Well, then that makes perfect sense. In the covenant, God takes the initiative. God has the first word. God comes after us. 
And so knowing God is also a matter of grace. And so that's what knowing God really looks like. I'd like to go on to the how. How do we know God? But before we do that, there are a couple of more points that I want to consider with you here from John 17, verse 3. First of all, John 17, verse 3 takes a clear stand against the idea that God is fundamentally unknowable. You know, there are those who say that God can never really be known. There are even those who are Christians who will say things like that, or they say they are Christians. They say all we have is our own personal ideas of what God is like, and those personal ideas will never correspond to the reality. But you know what, friends? That's not what the Lord Jesus says here. He says plainly in John and elsewhere that there are people who have eternal life. And he says here that eternal life consists in knowing God. You can know God. God may be known because he has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in his son and in his word and through the Holy Spirit. God has come down to us. He's condescended to us, we'd say in technical theological terms. And he has given of himself so that we may know him. Now, it's true. We cannot know him comprehensively. We can't know him inside and out. Like the Son would know the Father, or the Holy Spirit would know the Father, or vice versa. But we can know him well. We can know him in such a way that we may have a deep, meaningful relationship, a fellowship with him. God is knowable, and don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. John 17, 3 clearly teaches it. And so skepticism and doubt, well, we could compare them to like little bugs, and they are squashed here by Jesus' high priestly prayer. They don't stand a chance. And something else is squashed here too in John 17, 3, and it lays under the weight of the words, the only true God. The only true God. When Christ says that, he reminds us that there is only one God and that there is only one way to eternal life, and that's in knowing that one true God. And so polytheism, you've heard heard of polytheism, I'm sure. Polytheism, the idea that there are many gods that we could or should worship. Well, polytheism, it's out. And so is relativism, the idea that it doesn't matter who you worship. It doesn't matter as long as you're sincere. What matters is that you're, you have sincere intentions in your heart. And it doesn't matter because they say all roads lead to the divine anyway. That's relativism. The Lord Jesus doesn't go for that. He reinforces the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. There is only one true God. Now that may be obvious to many of you who are listening, but you know, our surrounding culture, which it, with its drift towards relativism and its loud proclamation of relativism makes it necessary for us to say it and to be vocal about it. There are not many gods. There is only one true God. And that brings us to ask the question then, how may we know this one true God revealed here? Now, at first glance, if we look at John 17, 3, the Lord Jesus doesn't seem to answer that. But let's take a closer look together. 
This is the only place in John where Christ refers to himself in the third person. He says, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's here in those last words. Christ refers to himself as Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now he might have said, and me, whom you have sent. But he doesn't. And that's for a very good reason. It's a matter of emphasis and clarity. Let me explain. Jesus Christ was sent into this world by the Father. The Father sent the Son, and the Son agreed to come. He agreed to come for the redemption of God's people, for our redemption. Man's relationship with God was destroyed by the fall into sin. After the fall, it became impossible to know God, except to know him in that negative way that I was talking about earlier, to know him as judge, to know him as the one with whom you have enmity rather than communion and fellowship. Christ came to restore a relationship of fellowship and communion with God, and even to bring it further into more wonderful dimensions. Through Christ and his perfect sacrifice, we're forgiven everything that we've ever done when we look to him in faith. Looking to him in faith, through his perfect obedience, we are accounted righteous by God. Through Christ and all his merits, everything that he has done for us and in our place, we are safely in the covenant of grace, in a place where we can know the Father and we can know his love. Here we have eternal life. Here we have life to the full. And so friends, the how of knowing God is really quite simple. It involves resting and trusting in Jesus Christ, the Savior whom the Father has sent. If we are to know God, that means to, to relate to him in that personal, intimate way of fellowship and communion, we need to fix our eyes on Christ. We need to look to him in true faith. Now, how do we do that, you ask? Well, here we need help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Do you find it odd, friends, that the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned here in John 17, verse 3? You know, when I was thinking about this text and studying it, that was one of the questions that popped into my mind. Why didn't Jesus mention the Holy Spirit? He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He doesn't mention the Holy Spirit. Well, you know what? He doesn't mention him here, but he is mentioned earlier in chapter 14. And remember, that's about the same time and same place as John 17. In, in John 14, the Holy Spirit is described as the comforter, the counselor. That's a couple of different ways that that, that word parakletos is translated. Comforter, counselor, helper. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach the disciples all things, that he would bring to mind everything that Jesus had said and taught and done. He did. And today, the inspired word testifies to all that. The word, the Bible, 
is the instrument or the tool of the Holy Spirit to help us to know Christ and so also to know the Father. The Word is what reveals Christ to us. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Him. You know, the Lord Jesus Himself said that as well. In Luke chapter 24, He was speaking with the two men on the road to Emmaus, and He explains to them how everything in the Scriptures was about Him. He said in verse 44, He said to them, this is what I have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And earlier in verse 27, it says about the Lord Jesus, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ in some way, shape, or form. And that's a crucially important thing to realize. We're going to finish up with this uh, John 17 verse 3 tomorrow. I hope you'll join me again for that. Until then, may God continue to richly bless you. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Breidenhoff. Our goal here at Gospel Talk is to faithfully preach the gospel in season and out of season. That's also the goal of the Cloverdale Canadian Reformed Church. This program comes to you today through their generous support. You can find the Cloverdale Canadian Reformed Church at 17473 60th Ave in Cloverdale. That's just off 176th Street. Sunday worship times are 9.30 a.m. and 2 p.m. Guests are always welcome. You can find more information about the Cloverdale Canadian Reformed Church at our website, www.cloverdale.canrc.org. That website again, www.cloverdale.canrc.org. You can also write us for more information or if you have any questions about anything you've heard today, email us at gospeltalk at hotmail.com. That's gospeltalk, all one word, at hotmail.com. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-288-1087. Once more, that number, 1-866-288-1087. Thank you for listening today. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff.